Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of One Like Equals One Prayer, a podcast where we take on a qu- tough question in Christianity and we try our best to answer it. It's kind of like a deranged version of whose line is it anyway, where all the facts are made up and our answers don't really matter. On today's episode, we try to answer what forgiveness looks like, and if there is a sin that's unforgivable. We also address the latest church scandal involving one Andy Savage. Finally, we talk about what we have been binge-watching during the latest winter season of TV. And now, without any further ado, allow me to introduce my fellow compadres and co-hosts. First, he's cooler than dumping a bucket full of ice on yourself, it's Kevin Eccles. Josh, I'm just proud to be part of a podcast that doesn't shut down, even if the government did. Me too. Yes. Secondly, uh, some say he's spicy, some say he's sweet, but he's definitely more delicious than eating a bunch of Tide Pods. It's Mark Thornton. Next week, paint chips. Mmm, yummy. (laughs) And finally, he will make you choke on your words quicker than eating a spoonful of cinnamon. It's Eric Latassi. Okay, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Eric continuing his tradition of having the worst (laughs) salutations in the podcast. (laughs) I'm glad we're keeping a good thing going, though. Oh, yeah. It's tradition at this point. That's right. I'm going to be disappointed if he suddenly develops witnesses. If he really said something great or had some sort of catchphrase. Like, well, now we know the alien has taken over Eric's body. (laughs) This is just not actually him. We'll just cut it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we would just just dub over (laughs) something something lame that he had said previously. So, um, yeah, you guys watching anything good at all on TV? Or I mean, no one has TV anymore, right? Everybody has Netflix or I, I think stream. I have an antenna in my house. Yeah, um, and it's even hooked up. I think, uh, but I, I think I've turned it on once in the last year. So my my binge watching thing is actually a binge video game playing, and it's Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic because I've been told it's a crime against humanity that I never actually played the game before. True. So. It's a very good game. It's, uh, it's yeah, yeah, no, so that's been my jam. Very good. You've been watching anything, Mark? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Take far, page Eric's book. So far, this is a terrible topic idea for me to bring up. I should have asked you guys if you guys have been watching anything before. Have you guys been playing your video games? Actually, yes. Really um, no. <laughs> I've been busy, you know, with the, the house, life. With the house. Like being thing. busy? Yeah. Okay. Well, I went, out, I went to Disney World. That's exciting. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So you're basically in a show. Yeah, you're basically in a living, show. You're basically I, living Disney yeah, movie. I don't need no TV. You don't need that. What is that? What is that? It's, it's like that super cool episode of Full House where, like, Danny finally proposed to Rachel. Not Danny. Well, Uncle Jesse finally proposed yeah. to Rachel, you know, and they did it in front of the castle yep. and Disney well, World. And then, and then, and Boy Meets World, Corey... Poses. No, he doesn't propose, but like he asks her out to Panga at, at Boy Meets. He asks her out at Disney World. Yeah. Sure. Because all those shows are owned by ABC, which is owned by Disney, which is owned by. So I mean, it's just like really convenient. It's just like it's all, all this, like, it's all commercialized. There's public, basically, just like it's so you're getting rid of my entire for childhood. Yeah, my being, entire childhood was yes. a subtle advertisement yes. for Disney. Actually, your whole entire childhood was probably subtle advertisement for many things. But that's a different t- topic for a different day. Mostly Disney. <laughs> Mostly Disney. We were talking about that work yesterday. And Mattel. Like, what does Disney own? Oh, that's right. Everything. Yeah. I'm just happy that Princess Leia is finally a Disney princess. Yeah, it's great. So, that's so, exciting. Here's a question. Here's a question for okay. you. What would the world look like if Disney ran it? Wow, this is, this is tough. 
Like I'm suddenly imagining Donald Trump as Captain yeah. Hook. Wait, are we talking the United <laughs> States? Yeah, are we talking about both? Of the world. Like, if Disney, if Disney owns the world, which is pretty much owning almost everything in the country, if Disney owned the world, what would the world look like? I think it'd be more secure. Yeah. And I also think that if you were bad, you would go and you would have to spend an eternity and it's a small world after all. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. I didn't even ride that ride because I heard it was bad. <laughs> I, I wrote it. It's bad. It's, it's bad. bad. But that would be your eternal punishment. Your, your damnation. Would yeah. Be, yeah. It's a small world. You have no! to ride a prayer. No! Like, stop! Uh, I know, like, women would probably be more um, patronized than they are currently because... Well, the princesses. <laughs> princesses, yeah. And, the, and there's necessity for men to rescue them. I will, I will say the recent movies. Not so I much. I was going to say, but Pocahontas... Tangle, like there, there's a decent number of them. I think Pocahontas is the worst. I think Disney Pocahontas movie is the also the worst Disney movie. I've okay, I, I, I probably shouldn't have movie. included that one because I've never actually Moana. seen it. Moana, Moana, that's a good one. Moana. I actually saw that. I watched that recently with my kid. It was okay. It's on Netflix. You mean okay? Which is why you saw it. It was okay. To bring us back to what you're watching on TV. Exactly. You're watching Moana. We're watching Moana. Exactly. Kind of like I haven't seen Doctor Who since it went off Netflix. Like, it was on Netflix, so sure, yeah, I'll binge watch a season every once in a while. But it went off Netflix, and so now it's like it doesn't exist. I've, I've never actually seen Doctor Who. Really? Yeah. It's, it's good. It's not good enough for me to be like, oh, you need to go watch it now. Which, I'm sure we just lost one of our three fans. But I tried. <laughs> Shout out to... Um... <laughs> random fans and whatever shout out Wait, to our three fans shout out to yeah. Rachel Eagle on Facebook who tagged John Horner and said hey look I found it and we have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> shout out thank to you, you so much for finding it for but you seem excited so Continue we're excited following. for you <laughs> keep watching and sharing <laughs> but what have you been watching have you been um, okay so other than Moana yeah other than Moana <laughs> other than random Disney movies there was one show I started watching that was kind of interesting on Netflix it was called it's called The Toys That Made Us or make uh, yeah, toys that made us mm. and it's basically just a look at like toys from like the 80s and 90s and they're just interviewing all these basically these guys that developed the toys and Are they broke down I, I probably some of them but, but it's just interesting because like one of the things they did they did a, they did a segment on he-man and how basically they were just talking about how they were just making stuff up like they had no idea the stuff they were making they were just making up these random action figures and enemies just because stuff was selling and like the guys were just talking about like it was junk like they're they were saying they're just making basically garbage and plastic and they didn't care because it was selling and, <laughs> and so it's just funny to get the reaction on things that like they were saying it was just garbage we didn't care you know they, and originally it was supposed to be he-man was supposed to be like this really dark character where it was supposed to be like a really like a mature grown-up storyline and then they come out with them and like in a TV, if you watch like, the animated TV show, he wears like a pink vest and he like, he's like drinking like tea and stuff all the time. He's just like this really weird, like silly character, but I don't know. It's, just, it's an interesting That's show, just I like guess. It's like Frozen. Yeah, basically. Frozen, uh, Frozen, no, Frozen <laughs> yeah. was supposed to be like. Exactly. It's just like Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> no, Frozen was supposed to be like a, uh. Like, I don't remember the si- one of the sisters. <laughs> but one of the sisters was supposed to be evil the entire uh, movie. Yeah. Elsa? Yes! There he is! Oh, you the mean, like, the cr- hero of the entire story is supposed to be evil? Yeah! She's, okay. I think she's the protagonist of the story. I don't right, know that no. she was she was originally supposed originally to be a villain. Originally she was supposed to be a villain, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, isn't it based on some sort of, like, <laughs> I don't know Scandinavian that. or Norwegian folk? Tail, I thought. You, I think so. But if you connect the dots, apparently, um, like Anna and Elsa's parents were also the parents 
of Tarzan. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that weird theory that doesn't make any sense. It's just convoluted and terrible. Well, you know, they're on a ship, and then the ship got wrecked, and then apparently this boy... That... It literally so Anna no and Elsa sense. just don't know they have a younger brother who happens yeah. to be king of the jungle? Because, if I'm not mistaken, the Tarzan storyline takes place in, like, the 19, like, 20s or 30s, I think. The but then Frozen is, like, I feel like it's, like, it's, it's like, like early night. It's, like, Some it's magical, like 19th century. century. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to connect Disney. Okay. I'm not trying to nothing, talk. Nothing <laughs> makes sense in the Disney Josh, world. Josh, if Disney really ruled the world, timelines wouldn't matter. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Thank that's, you, Josh. That's a good answer. Nothing would matter. It's a magical place. That's right. <laughs> it's exactly. a small world after all. Oh, yeah. no. Perfect. No. I've been, uh, I've been watching comedians in cars getting, getting coffee. Cars, getting coffee. Yeah. And because uh, it's 16 minutes an episode, so I'm like, yes. Whereas I tried watching Godless, which is over an hour long. I'm like, I can't do it. So I've also binge watching Curious George, but that's a different talk for my kid. Yeah. Um, the joys but, of parenthood. Yeah. But that one's a really good show. I mean, I'm not going to say it's funny. There's parts that are funny. He's, I, I'm on episode five, I think. He just, or maybe six. He interviewed Trevor Noah, which that was really a good episode. They talked about um, like apartheid and... <clears throat> Racism in South Africa. It's really dark for an episode of Tr- Curious George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you meant the... Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Jerry Seinfeld always drives these cars and picks yeah. them up and they just talk about what they're yeah. doing and how they got to comedy. I watched the first episode. I think it was the first episode with Jim, Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. And that was interesting. He dropped Field of Dreams, which I just showed Francesca. We finished it last night, Field of Dreams. She didn't like it, did she? She did not like yeah. it. I was like, well, you yeah. have no, no soul. No, no, women, women don't like that movie. Well, it's probably because they really can't connect. I think that's that. that's my experience. Father, that son throwing a baseball and playing catch. Yeah, because I think Amanda's watched it with me before, and she didn't. She's like, "This is stupid." That was like the first time I've watched it where I didn't like ball. Like yeah. I actually held composure. Yeah, that's like the only. To this day, I still feel like that's the only good Kevin Costner movie. I don't think I've seen it. You should watch. Wait, it. wait. We should have a pause of silence. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in remembrance. You need to go. It's on Netflix. Is it? James Earl Jones in it, which that's always amazing. So, it's a really good movie. All right, Ray Liotta. That's you know the saying you know if you build it they will come. That's where it comes from. Oh really? Yeah. It's about the baseball diamond. Yes. It's actually based. I know like the general thing. Like he ends up talking to a bunch of dead baseball baseball stars. Yeah, basically. That's all I know about it. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're not going to ruin it for you. You just need to watch it. I mean, you basically just said the whole story, but... Yeah. <laughs> they find out he's dead at the end of the movie. Kind of <laughs> it's, it's, the Sense. it's the Bruce Willis twist. <laughs> oh, okay. This is not coming. Who owns The Sixth Sense anyway? I mean, come on now. Disney. If you already... No, I mean, if you already watched that movie, there's no reason to see it again. Oh, who actually yeah, owns who actually a copy owns of the movie? The movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're right. Well, yeah. It's just true. I don't even think I've seen it. I just, I just know, I like, it's just one well, of the movies that everybody, yeah, 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 so. you know, the twist. That's, that's exactly it. Like, because the, the only point of the movie was the plot twist and then everyone knows yeah. the plot twist. Oh, so nobody watches it. Unbreakable. Samuel Jackson's a bad guy. Wait, what? How dare you ruin The Village. Uh, it's in my takes place. Okay. Modern, takes place kills Dumbledore. It's, 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 it's modern day. Okay. Tell me two things. I'm two done. really important things. When you said Unbreakable, I was thinking Kimmy Schmidt, and then you said Samuel L. Jackson is a bad guy. So I'm imagining Kimmy Schmidt and like Samuel L. Jackson as himself in New York, and they're like having this big huge. Thing. That would be awesome. And it sounded awesome. And then you switched, and what was the other one you said? The Village. The the no no keep going. 
I said Unbreakable, then I said The Village. Yeah, keep going. You said something else, right? Oh, um... No, it was the, the Harry Potter... I said Snake okay. Kills Dumbledore. So, the last yeah. time I said Snake Kills Dumbledore was, like, two years ago, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, and then Snake Kills Dumbledore. And someone behind me gasps. <laughs> <laughs> and there was somebody who had just started reading, like, book two. That's awful. And I'm like, and Snake Kills Dumbledore. And they're like... <gasps> and I'm like... And 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 then Harry dies at the end of <laughs> which, the, is awesome. which, which is also which is also true. <laughs> and so like I immediately threw out like all of these like ridiculous things that nobody really thinks happened. Like I told her that Fred died. I told her that you know Ginny was like ended up being a like a dark wizard and she uh, got you know like and I I just started making up all this stuff just so that they maybe forget yeah. <laughs> which ones I Harry said does. when. I felt so yeah, I actually felt bad back. for ruining it. I didn't know that. Back. Okay. Who what? <laughs> Mark said Harry died <laughs> I had no idea Did you tell him Snape was a good guy the whole time? Uh, no, I didn't Because like, after saying Snape kills Dumbledore I think that's a bigger <laughs> twist, honestly, than Snape killing Dumbledore Yeah like, I feel like you feel like Dumbledore I think when you get to like that book, you're guy. like I feel like Dumbledore's gonna die Just because like there's a lot of foreshadowing Well, by the time he gets to book seven And you find out Snape's a good guy Like... That whole part, like, I felt like there's this huge, super intense thing going on. Yeah. And then, like, the pacing of the book's just like, stop. I need you to understand Severus Snape. Right, yeah. And so, like, it was a little weird that, like, I mean, all I... of a sudden you have this, like, segue that didn't seem like it belonged to that yeah. part of the story. But at the same time, they couldn't have told you any earlier. Right. right? Like, so I, I don't love where it got put yeah. in the book series well, and in the chronology, but I'm really glad it got put in there somewhere. I think that speaks to J.K. Rowling being a very good storyteller, but not the best writer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair thing. I, I, I think Harry Potter's okay. I, I, I won't say it's my favorite books. I mean, I like, I'm more a fan of the mature version. Which is uh, name of the name of the wind? Patrick Rothfuss. I was like, oh. I was gonna say like Harry Potter erotica or something. No, Patrick Rothfuss. Gosh, name I like the mature version of Harry. It's Potter. for adults. It's Harry Potter for adults. We'll put it that way. So it's Twilight. I would never have compared those two book series, but they are. I like both of them, but I would never alike. have compared the two. They are a little bit alike. Awesome. That's a that's a long discussion. We don't have time. For so that. we've gone from we've gone to what do we what are, what move what Disney movies are we watching to what are we binge watching to what books are we reading? <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter or Mature Dark Series? <laughs> yeah. I, I, and by I'm saying so shocked, Harry Potter died. <laughs> I had no idea at all. Was, he's back to life. You know, so it was a little unclear in that part. It was. I like, well, writing it in. I just like how I'm telling a story about <laughs> accidentally ruining Harry Potter like ten years after I came out. And then in telling that story, I accidentally ruined Harry Potter 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, to all the listeners and Mark. Well, I'm so sure you will always ruin Maybe Harry we should Potter. put a disclaimer on this podcast. <laughs> the title of this podcast oh, yeah. episode needs to be Harry Potter Spoilers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please skip to 15 minutes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh. Very good. All right, so um, basically in recent weeks, uh, there's a story that kind of made it to national news. Um, essentially, it was involving a pastor... And what basically amounts to him uh, sexually assaulting a minor, this was like a while back, I think it was like 20 years ago. We can now. take out the basically amounts too. It's a pastor who sexually yeah. assaulted a minor. Yes, yes. You're right. Uh, so in case you aren't familiar with the story, I'll try my best to summarize it. Um, it's a pastor's name, uh, Andy Savage. Not to be confused with the Ameri- true American hero, uh, 
Randy the Macho Man Savage. I knew it I, sounded familiar. I originally thought, I heard the name and I thought, Are Macho they related? Man. Can we no, check that? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay, go on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mark knows who it is now. I didn't know who it was. But. I'm sorry. I know who it is now. I love Macho Man. Yeah, he's good. I wish I had his flash. Yeah. Sorry, your, your story is very entertaining. Okay. Anyway, uh, Andy Savage. Uh, he's, so he's 22 at the time, and he's a youth minister at Woodlands Parkway Baptist Church outside of Houston, Texas, when the incident with Woodson occurred. She was a woman that was offended. Uh, basically, Woodson recounted the incident uh, on an abuse survivor's blog after she had tried to email Savage about the incident to kind of um, basically talk, have him talk about it, and he never responded to her email. Woodson reported that uh, Savage had groped her, exposed himself to her, and basically tried to pressure her into giving him oral sex. All this without her consent. I think from her account, she um, they're in the car together, and then like he was gonna go take her home, and instead of taking her home, he took her off to like some wooded area or something, and then like basically all the stuff happened, kind of went down. Where he basically, I mean, he sexually assaulted her basically. Um, Woodson later told the pastor of Parkway Church, so this was uh, their savages and her pastor. That, uh, who not only suggested the incident might have actually been consensual because she actually never said no to him, but that the church also essentially covered up the incident. Uh, they didn't report to her, they did not report the sexual assault allegations or actual well, not allegation actually happened, but they didn't report it to the police and they actually kept Savage on staff. Eventually, the church did make Andy resign, but only after Woodson reported the incident to her women's devotional group, and they actually threw Savage a going away party. Yeah. Yeah. So after the blog was posted, Savage corroborated the story and then asked him, asked his current church for forgiveness. At which point, and you can actually watch this if you go on YouTube, you can actually watch this the specific service where they recorded all this. Uh, after giving, after after asking the church for for forgiveness, uh, the congregation gave him a standing ovation for I kid you not, about twenty five seconds. Uh, then right after the head pastor gave a sermon afterward on forgiveness and basically talked about not casting the first stone. Uh, one of the words, some of the words, the quotes from that sermon were that you never heal by hurting others. And when you support Andy in that way, when he's referring to the congregation applauding for Andy, uh, you're also supporting Miss Woodson in the same way. Wrong. Sorry, I've been waiting to say that. So, can we also point out, she was 17 at the time this happened. Yes. So, I don't think I had that in mind. Legal consent. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. Impossible. Right. Like... So let's just completely ignore any of the maybe he was confused steps and skip straight to the statutory rape. Right. Like, this was statutory rape. It is illegal. And it was covered up by a church. Yeah. For the record, any one of you three that do this, you're, you're fired from everything immediately. Just for the record. Right. Which should have been Mr. Yeah, Fisher. He was like, I don't work, I don't here, work here, but all right. You're fired anyway. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. If I, anything fired. I can't fired. fire you from, fired. you're fired. Because that should have been their response. Yeah. Immediately. So you're fired. Right? I, I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know. If, uh, if, if I were her father and I found out that it happened, it wouldn't be, uh, oh, yes. he made it this far. I would put him through a wall. Right. And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Right. And that's my first thought. Because, okay, the other four of us here, three of us have daughters, Right. Yeah. And so I think to appeal to the emotional reason of this, I, I mean, I I was I was like fatally angry when I read this, and I watched the video, and I got more mad. I read more interviews, and I got more mad, mm. and I just got more and more mad the more I was reading about this, the more I was hearing about it. And I just feel like, yeah, like if if that was me, 
if, if that was my daughter that went through that and then she found out that like I'm probably gonna go to jail for hurting this guy severely or <laughs> doing something really bad yeah. I realize that's not the Christian thing to do but at the same time I'm not going to sit in a church and applaud this guy for asking for forgiveness for sexually assaulting this woman I mean I think it, it brings up a lot of things that for a long time, I feel like the church, at least the American church, has essentially forced women into this position where they're essentially uh, subjugated to the point where if they speak out against these type of things, it's just like, well, we don't really consider their opinion. We don't really consider what they have to say to the point where we're essentially covering up this horrible incident that happened and basically just shoving her to the side. Speaking of someone who doesn't have a daughter, I always imagine myself, by, I joke around about it, but I'm half kidding when I say this, when I ever have a child, I'm getting a, I'm getting a gun yeah. <laughs> to protect my child. Right. So this, this I don't know if I, 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 I hopefully, but this this topic legitimately sets me off and, and pisses me off mm -hmm. a lot for many reasons. Um, one, they, I don't know if you also read the church refuses to admit that they covered it up yeah they're like oh we never had an email yeah. we never had i don't know what's going on Where but he, for, he, yeah. he asked for forgiveness so we're going to forgive him mm -hmm. i don't i it, it doesn't process to me how you can automatically for first off i truly do not if one i don't believe that two i also believe that maybe there was some people in the church that knew about it before he went up to there there had to have been there can't be just one person. There had to be some people in the congregation that already knew about it. Are you talking about the churches in currently now? Yeah, the churches in currently okay. now. Probably, obviously, well, I didn't he know told about he it. told the head supposedly he told the head pastor when he came on staff. They they asked. I think they asked him if there was anything that they needed to know about or something. And I think he told them. So supposedly they knew. Well, regardless, he's okay with it. I mean, yeah. they gave him a standing ovation. Right. And that's that's another thing that I don't I don't <laughs> I don't get. I'm I'm getting flustered, so I, I don't know what to say too much. But yeah. that's another thing I don't get. Is that you? First off, no matter what, if someone like, like if one of you guys like did something to me, it's not going to be oh I forgive you. Let me like give you a hug and stuff. We're going to talk about it, mm -hmm. and then obviously like after that point, I'm sure whatever you guys do, I like I'm a huggy person, so whatever you guys do, but I'm not going to immediately forgive you. Right. And I don't I don't understand how this 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 church immediately forgives without like I don't. Especially that it doesn't. I don't. I don't, It doesn't process in my head very well. Um, yeah. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily the fact that that they they forgave him right away, but it's it's the fact that you're you're teaching. You're almost you're essentially yeah, celebrating. celebrating it. You're, and my my you're heart teaching that's okay. You are essentially that's what you're doing. And my heart and my mm -hmm. thoughts go out to the people. This is a big church, obviously. It's I, I, I don't want to say it's a mega church, but it's a big church that he was that he's currently the pastor in yeah, that plotted for him. And I'm sure there's someone in that congregation at some point that has experienced at least maybe not maybe at least sexual assault, but at least to the point where they were pressured into something they're not doing. And then that person sitting in the congregation as everybody else around them is standing up and applauding this person that essentially did the same thing that possibly happened to them. And that yeah. makes me like, I don't even know what to say about that. That makes me just like angry and mad. And I don't know if I was in that position, if, if I had been sexually assaulted and I see all these people literally getting up, like essentially celebrating what this person did. I, I don't, I think at that point I'm done with church. I don't, I don't think I go back to church ever. Again. And that's what's worse. And I think I'm done with Christianity. I honestly think I feel like I'll be done with, uh, I mean, I feel like I'd be done with the whole thing at that point. And that's what's worse is because that girl and all of her friends 
and all of your parents, that whole family and everyone surrounding that family is probably never going to go back to church. Yeah. And if they do, it's going to take a lot of talking to, to people about it. Well, I mean, that kind of, like, that blatant, awful, trying to find strong enough words without just cussing out our podcast mm-hmm. listeners. Right. You know, like, that kind of deep, bone-deep breaking of trust. Yeah. You know, like, here's a guy who is supposed to be responsible for the spiritual well-being of the teens in his care, if not their emotional and physical well-being as well, obviously. And yet, he decides to take that position of authority and abuse an underage girl. Right. In what universe is that person qualified to continue in ministry? You know, like, it, for me to even consider anything like that at any point, I would interview everybody he'd ever done ministry with. You'd have to. Everyone in any of the ministries he'd ever been in. Like, the, the long, like, hugely invasive amount of investigation I would do before I would even put him on the list of people to interview for a position is exhaustive. Like... And for a church to just be like, oh, you've been forgiven? That's cool. Yeah, welcome to staff. If it ever comes out and it becomes a problem, don't worry. We'll give you a standing O and it'll be fine. Like, that shows a criminally negligent disregard for the well-being of the people that are supposedly under the care of this church leadership. Right. Yeah, I mean, that part of it to me is insane. And I I wish I could find it. I'd almost... I almost, I feel like I almost swear I read that he had told the pastor, had pastor before becoming on staff, which to me, if that is the case, that's crazy that he was upfront about it and they still put him on a position of pastoralship. Like that's, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <clears throat> I want to like back up just a second. When I first saw the article, my blood boiled. Um, because it's ridiculous. And, but I think what bothered me most when I read that article was the congregation gave the standing ovation. Mm-hmm. I said, why? And if you're going to sit there and cite, well, forgiveness, right? I mean, the guy doesn't truly feel like he asked for forgiveness. He covered up a scandal, and then he kept going, which I think mean, that's got to be hard if you did something horrible and you're just going to keep hanging on to it for years. I mean, I can't, I, I can't imagine how he lived with it. Um, <clears throat> and you only come out and tell people when she's going to threaten you. Right. To me, you're not sorry. You're sorry that you got caught. And so now you have to say something. Yeah. And I, I was talking to uh, Francesca, my wife, and uh, I was asking her about this. And it, this is, I mean, this has been going on a while as far as this type of thing. And what, and what we're talking about was if you, when she, cause she went to youth group when she was, you know, that age, I, <laughs> but, uh, that wasn't a Christian. Yeah. I asked her, I say, how would this have happened? I mean, like, you know, is this, and she said, Oh yeah, definitely. It could totally happen. She said, because I would, she's like, I would have never told my dad. That that happened. Right. She said, you'd feel so much shame because the church is really good at teaching females in particular shame. Like, hey, you are meant for the man. And if you put out before you get married to this man without purity, you are nothing. You are garbage. And so 90s children in particular Mm -hmm. have been bought and told this. Yeah. 
So her view on sex is not very great because the church has done a great job mm-hmm. of making sex into this worst thing ever, ever invented by mm-hmm. God. So she would have never told her dad. She told her dad that yesterday. That, you know, it didn't happen obviously with her, but she said she would never have told him. And he was like flabbergasted. He said, we would have believed you. She's like, I didn't think you would. She says, why would you? You guys go to church. You have been fed this. That it's my that I somehow must have led this guy astray, this youth pastor astray. So that really opened my eyes up too to hear, like, from a female perspective who went through the church, yeah. you know, through that line. I was like, wow. She's like, yeah, and, and I mean, I. She's like, I already know what my dad have done now. I mean, he would have murdered him. Right. He would have murdered the youth pastor. There would have been no question. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I just want to bring those topics to light. The standing ovation to me is by far the worst thing I've ever read. And it just goes to show that this is not, there is, I don't know if there is a Christian church in America and I don't know Christianity. I mean, if there is, it's few and far between. And I've not seen them very easily. Even in Monroe, I would say there's probably a couple and we have a lot of churches in this town. 260 or so. Um, This town? Yeah. Yeah, in this town alone. It's because good. church planning is like the funnest thing in the world. It is fun. Oh, we need another church there. It's a hobby, really, at this point. Um, yeah, there's I mean, there's so much to talk about with the story. Uh, I mean, I go back to when she goes and con- when she talks to the head pastor of the church and tells her that, hey, this is what happened. And then she quotes him as saying that he says, oh, maybe it sounds like it was consensual because she did not say no. While she's 17. While she's 17. While she's 17. I think there was even one article that said that she thought he loved her. I was reading that. So I think that was part of the thing. Regardless, you are in You are a youth pastor. You are in charge of that. And where do you get from, like, Hey, I'm leading this group to hey, I want oral sex from a, a you know a 17 year old girl. Something there's like I don't know. To me, it's just ridiculous. There's an infinite number of bad decisions at yeah. the end of that moment. Right. It's not a spur of the moment thing. It's and then not he gets a mistake. Out of the car and it's not something that happened. It's a series of conscious decisions yeah. that led to an incident of abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are, I, I really do truly believe every second of every day you had an option. To walk away from that or to allow it to continue. Oh, wait, wait. Was he Calvinist? Maybe that's a <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was supposed to happen. It was predestined. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. To, go, to go back to what you were saying about your, your wife earlier, you know, like the idea that, you know, we got really good at blaming women for what guys couldn't control. You know, like there's this, this book that it kind of reminds me of because it talks about the 90s Christian purity culture crap that we're just now starting to finally get flushed. Yeah. Um... Like it's, it's called When We Were on Fire, and I wish I could remember the author. Maybe we can stick it in show notes or something like that. I don't even know if we have those. I don't agree with them. We're but not that fancy. if you look it up online, the book is called... You know, we'll when post we, it on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, and then our three friends will see it. Yeah, cool. That's great. So, yeah, like, seriously, though, like, the book is called When We Were on Fire, and it, it's about this woman who grew up in, like, a stereotypical American evangelical church, and it's about all the crap that she learned growing up in that church. And about her experience trying to undo all of those messages as she got older. You know, and it's kind of like what almost everyone our age is doing is we were taught this very simplistic, very cut and dry, black Mm -hmm. and white, here's your answer, don't ask questions kind of way of looking at the faith. And now we're getting older and going, wait, that's not good enough. You know, that doesn't explain why there are churches that do this kind of crap. 
that doesn't explain what happens when crap happens in the world. That doesn't explain why most of our grandparents voted for Donald Trump, even though he is a racist and he's a homophobe and he's a liar and he's a misogynist. Like, there's nothing good about his moral anything. Right. But he's actually just the icon. I mean, let's take a look at the people who support him. You mean idol? Icon, idol, same thing, as far as I'm concerned regarding this. He is what the people wanted. Yeah, exactly. put him there. He is bombastic, he's irreverent, and he's going to stick it to those dirty liberals who aren't Christian. And they seem to completely ignore the possibility that maybe, just maybe, there are people on the other side of the aisle who love Jesus and just think that there's a different mandate that he's given us for the world. You know, the American evangelical churches, when we were growing up, were intentionally isolationist. You don't want to date anyone who is not a Christian because they're going to pull you down. And then we sort of transferred that same kind of thinking to, well, we don't want friends that aren't Christians because they'll pull us down. And so all of a sudden, we have no friends. We have no deep, meaningful relationships. We have nothing that illustrates to us at all how someone who doesn't already think like us thinks. And so we're just surrounded by people who go, yeah, absolutely, you're right. Absolutely, this crazy thing you're doing is fine. Absolutely, it's the woman's fault if you stare down Mm -hmm. her blouse. Absolutely, it's somebody else's fault if you sin because they led you into temptation because that's someone else's power. It sounds a lot like nationalism and fascism. Yeah, it it is. It's isolation. It's the goal is it's us and it's them. Right. And so if you don't hang out with them too much, then you'll be more like us and then you'll be a good person. And it completely ignores everything the Bible has to say about love your neighbor. We have no idea. The American evangelical church as a whole has no clue how to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. And it means we've failed at one of the two major mandates that God gave us. And crap like this and crap like celebrating statutory rape on Sunday morning with a 25 second standing ovation, that's a symptom of one core issue that we've been ignoring for decades. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we're telling people something, we're telling people a simple solution to a problem that is not simple and by any means. Well, yeah, we're treating the behavior. Right. Well, he's not going to abuse anyone anymore. He's sorry. Right. Problem solved. Which is insane. Okay, uh, let's let's look at this from a um, like a secular point of view. Uh, how about a person I would work with kids? Like like in my job, I work with kids. Like if you have any type of background, if you're on if you're on some sort of registry, even even if you're not even convicted or if it's been unsubstantiated, my job will not hire you. Can I just? It makes me crazy to think that like as a church, we're just like eh, it's okay because we're about forgiveness and that's what matters. We forgive you. Can I just point out that's not forgiveness, right? Like, that's just not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness does not mean pretending it didn't happen. Yeah. I can forgive someone genuinely and with full Christ-like forgiveness and say, I'm going to forgive you from way the hell over here. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, and that's the part I want to, the other part about it is that, I mean, so the head pastor of Savage's current church, I forget his name. Uh, then he gets, he goes on after they give them standing ovation, he goes on and he gives a sermon about casting the first stone. And he's basically saying like, you know, oh, what it's better to heal than hurt, essentially. And, and he's basically just confirming that it was that what the congregation did was the right thing to do in the sense that, like you're saying, they're essentially celebrating statutory rape, which to me is crazy that you're likening the fact of uh, hitting somebody with a stone or throwing a stone is the same thing as, a, as in being, like, careful about... <laughs> 
judging a person based on something that they've done in the past. Especially being pat- careful about and not jumping to conclusion and be like, hey, it's okay. He's, he, we forgive him. Well, and it, what it really is saying is that here's this guy who should be immune from any of the consequences of his own decisions. That's what forgiveness means. Right. It means that those in power are immune to consequences. There is no rule of law in a church like that. There is no sense that the pastor is accountable for what they do. Because forgiveness means if I abuse you, you not only have to forgive me, which is what the scripture actually mandates, but they will equate forgiveness with you have to forgive me. You have to talk to me whenever I want to talk to you because he did an interview and was disappointed, quote unquote, huge, massive sarcasm, that she didn't want to come on the in- and do the interview alongside him. <laughs> like the cluelessness that that puts into it. And the fact that they think that forgiveness means you have to pretend it never happened. You have to support my leadership, even though I've used it to hurt you. That's not forgiveness. That's changing your theology to be a theology of abuse. It's saying God wants you to not only to be abused that one time, God wants you to leave yourself open to further abuse. And I'm going to do it by emotionally and spiritually abusing you right now in front of a congregation. And that, that, and that, and that, giving that forgiveness is the right Christian thing to do. Yeah, you're required to let me do this, or you're the problem. Jesus said, "I should, you should forgive me." Right. And he did, but it doesn't mean any of the things that they said. Forgiveness means releasing from. I'm not going to take vengeance. And even then, I would say she should have gone to the police, and this guy should be in jail. He should be. And that can happen, and forgiveness. Forgiveness and consequences are not mutually exclusive. You can say, you need to be in jail to pay for what you've done, because that's what our social contract says. That's what the laws of the land say. You're going to pay those consequences because you pay them to society. I'm not taking them because you owe me something. I'm taking them because that's what you owe society, because you're probably going to do stuff like this again, which is proven by the fact that he does it in front of a congregation. Right. So staying with the hot topic of forgiveness, since that is the lovely hot topic and button of the day, what does real forgiveness look like? I think Kevin already touched that subject. Yeah, as he was saying, I would would have liked to see this pastor, instead of going all the way to now and being caught or blackmailed, um, I would have liked to have seen him repent, ask forgiveness of ruining her life, and then turn himself in. Because that would be the appropriate thing he should have done. You mean when this happened prior? That he should have turned himself in. After he does it, and yeah. then she goes to the... Well, he should have resigned from the thing. He should have went to the police and said, Hey, I committed this. I did this against her will. What? And he should have paid for his crime. If he doesn't do that, then the church does that, right? What do you mean? The right. head pastor, whoever. Okay, the no, church no, no. is actually liable. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. we are, I forget what it's called, the required reporters or something like that. Uh, mandatory reporter. Mandatory reporter. There you go. I, I should have known you'd know. Like, if I hear about something like this, I have to tell the authorities. Right. Whether or not you think it's true is, is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. It's like, irrelevant. It it's matter. the same thing. When I was a TA for undergrad, I was a mandatory reporter. If somebody joked about killing themselves rather than taking yep. the exam the next week, I have to tell student development. Yep. I have to. It's, it's legally required. I, I am, like, breaking the law if somebody makes a joke about suicide and I don't report it. So in what universe is it not absolutely essential 
for anyone who hears about something like this to go immediately to the authorities and say, hey, this thing happened. And then after you've reported it to the authorities, the secular authorities, as in the police, so the guy can go to jail, then you can call your pastor. Right. I think that would have been the right thing to do for him to turn himself in because and maybe I'm looking at it from Father Brown's perspective, <laughs> but Father Brown, I mean, a lot of his clients say you need to repent and seek forgiveness and then you need to turn yourself in. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of the times that is the role. I'm, I guess it depends on the crime, but most crimes turn yourself in mm-hmm. and that's how you can get a proper redemption. I mean, that is the way yeah. God acts. I mean, even if you're acting in civil disobedience, like we just celebrated Martin Luther King Day. You know, Martin Luther King is, in a very righteous way, breaking very secular laws. And then he accepted going to jail. I have broken secular laws. I think those laws are crap. So my way of protesting is I'm going to make you arrest me for doing the right thing. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why we kind of, I mean, other than civil rights, I mean, that's why we respect Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. We respect him because he follows through. He takes responsibility. And I think that's a huge thing about forgiveness is taking responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek in the New Testament, like there's a certain amount of belligerent and quiet civil disobedience to go with that. Right. Like if somebody comes up and smacks you and it's totally unjustified, the world is not really going to notice if you fight back and beat the turd out of the guy. Right. But if somebody walks up and hits you and you're just like okay would you like to hit me again thank you sir like that's not that's not a sermon (laughs) about being a doormat you know jesus isn't saying you should let everyone abuse you yeah jesus is saying you know you should draw attention to what they're doing you should (laughs) you want to repeat that (laughs) would you like to do that Do, do you realize what you're doing right now like it's a it's a challenge you know and it's it's not meant to be a passive thing and so people take that verse and they take certain things from all over the Bible and they try and cobble together this leaning tower of Pisa of theology that somehow justifies the bullcrap this church has pulled. And it just doesn't work. You know, opposing abuse, supporting the widow, the orphan, those who don't have social status and don't have social power, that's what Jesus did. So if this were a Bible story, the hero is not the pastor. The pastor is the villain. The pastor is the Pharisee. The pastor is the Levite who walked across the road and ignored the guy who was bleeding on the on the side of the road. Right. You know, the pastor is not the good guy in this story. No. In no universe is the pastor owed anything. Neither is the except con- punishment. Neither is a congregation, in my opinion. Right. Either. So I mean, like everyone who enabled this situation to continue, everyone who opened up the possibility that it would happen again, they are all complicit. Side question, do we know if, if the parents of this girl, like, knew anything and tried to talk it as well? I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I didn't, yeah, I didn't hear anything about that. I just I just know that she had, she went to the head pastor, he didn't really, it seemed like he did anything, said it maybe sounded like it was consensual, and then went, eventually she told, I guess, some sort of women's discipleship group she was, and yeah. then they finally brought it to, to the front. And Even if it was consensual, come on now. It, it doesn't well, matter. It still doesn't stacked. exist if she's 17. It's still stacked. Even if she was 18, I, I, I still kind of like... And on. let's be honest. If there's a 21-year-old volunteer and a 25-year-old youth leader, and the youth leader wants to date the volunteer, you better report that to your senior pastor first. Right. And you better talk to a lot of people and yeah. do it in the light of day. You yeah. do not do it in a dark car in the middle of a forest when you're supposed to be driving the girl home. Yeah. There is no universe and no age and no anything about this that makes it okay. No. This is abuse in every angle. 
And I, I think this goes on at a lot of churches. And not the standing ovation part, but I mean, maybe it would. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking that what this guy almost got away with. Right. There are probably a lot of people out there where they are getting away for with it. Well, if she hadn't said anything, he would have. Yeah. Right. He got away with it for 20 years. He got away with it until yeah. she said something again. Yeah. And then he's like, uh-oh. Well, he, I don't know if he even went, uh-oh. Does he still get away with it? <laughs> like, I mean... Well, the, he, well he's not, not in jail. Yeah, they're not going to... So they can't he get away with it still? Yeah, basically. Yeah, he did. I mean... I mean, he's got a standing ovation from his current church. He's still got his job. He's still got his way of life. He offered... Like, I read that he offered to resign, and the church would not accept his resignation. And then he finally said that he would go on, like, a temporary leave. And that's yeah. what came of it. Sure. I guess the publishing company... Uh, it's not allowing him to produce this book on yeah, marriage. Right. Yes, yes. Well, that's how it all came about because he sent out a, he sent out a tweet about all this stuff that all the weird sex scandal stuff that's come out God. about all the politicians and people and then like the news reporters that have been basically sexually assaulting women forever and now they're all resigning from this job and he sent out a tweet saying, "Oh look, it's another person getting in trouble for this. Yeah. It's sad what it's come to." And then she saw that, and that's when she posted. That's when she tried to contact I him about it. That's how he refused started. to contact it, and that's when she posted the blog and made it known that it happened. So basically, what finally caused her to bring it out? I had totally forgotten that angle. Like she basically, it sounds like she's trying to protect other people from yes, this yeah. That's and that's the blog. It was. It was basically. It's. It's a blog for other people who have Gosh. reported. Uh, histories of experiences of sexual assault that they've gone through. Yeah, and I see, and that's the problem. It's just, it's just one more issue that I feel like I have with the current modern day church is that we we don't like women. <laughs> I feel like that's the nicest. We, just, we don't see them as human beings. We, we see don't. them as objects of pleasure. That's what and they, they are. Move on. And, and, it, and it's it your fault. It's your fault for being a woman for making me sin. It's your fault. And so, like, we get to this concept of forgiveness, and, you know, there's no way we get through all these discussion questions because we've been talking for 50 minutes and we're, like, on the second one. <laughs> but the idea of forgiveness being used as a weapon by those in authority. You have to forgive me, therefore I get to keep my position and power over you. Right. That is the crux of the issue, I think, in this situation is that forgiveness is being used as a way to tell those who have been abused what they should do for the people who abused them. And instead, forgiveness, when done right, is a releasing of like a personal responsibility to punish. I don't need to punish somebody who has wronged me because God will make it right eventually and in the meantime, I can report it to the authorities. I do all the things that I've been saying we need to keep doing. But there's not a vengeance involved anymore. You let go of that. That's forgiveness. I don't need vengeance. I just need it to be made as right as we can now. And so, like, it, it's the difference between trying to make things righteous in the situation, to make things good, and being able to get even and make things fair. Like, that's that's the difference. Um, and so somebody who is able to forgive well may still turn the guy in and probably will still turn the guy in and he's probably going to go to jail. But they do that because they genuinely say, okay, look, this is the consequence for that action. And what I hope in the future is that this never happens again mm-hmm. and that you understand what happened and I am free of what happened because God can heal that in time, hopefully. And that that way we will all be brought closer to God because of the aftermath of this and because of how we handle this. That's that's what the mindset of forgiveness looks like. 
mindset of forgiveness is not, well, you know, I'm not allowed to actually do anything. I'm supposed to pretend it didn't happen. That's abuse. I have one question I'd like to address. I don't want to step on Josh's toes. But no, you're good. We don't have time for all these. I, I yeah, can, well, we I can, can talk do. about food. We can talk about some. Yeah. I just want to address one question here, and that that is, is there a sin unforgivable? They talk about... Um, you know how they talk about, like, when I was growing up, I heard, like, oh, yeah, technically, like, suicide's forgivable, like, all murder's forgivable. Is there one sin that's unforgivable that's worse than the other? Because a lot of times, everyone rates sin. And that sounds weird, but many times, like, I've, I've, I've heard this sin's worse than the other. This sin's bad, worse than that one. I have heard multiple times of this, this, uh this ongoing theme that one sin's worse than the other. So, is there sin unforgivable, and is one sin worse than the other? I can answer the second question first. Is one sin so, worse than the other? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I, I think some sins are worse than others, in the sense that they're more damaging than others. They're yeah. more damaging. Okay. You know, like, you read the early church fathers, and they railed against gossip in the body of Christ. And the reason they gave for that wasn't because gossiping people are awful, even though they are. But it's because when you gossip about people in the church, you are doing violence against the body of Christ and the witness of Christ in the world. And so that's like they put that as like this is destroying something that is holy and sacred. And that is why it, what makes it awful. You know, murder is doing irreparable harm. Like you, there's no way back from that. That's that's awful. As opposed to lying to miss out on a consequence. Right. I think everything is you know, like. I, I, I don't, I think that there's, there's a double-edged sword here. Like, sometimes you can say, okay, well, all sins are the same. They're all equally awful. We should avoid them all. That's true. We should absolutely avoid all sin. But then, when you use that as a way of kind of justifying your own sins that do a lot of damage... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> murdering somebody. Hey, I can murder somebody. I can lie today. That's I think fine. I'll just murder Bible somebody. says I can murder. Yeah, I say it's not any worse. I can do it. It's not any worse than lying. Yeah, and so I I think basically you have to look at it from the standpoint of if I'm committing so-called little sins, then that's the point where you tell yourself no sin is any worse than any other. And every sin needs to be opposed. If you're committing really big sins, that's not the time to say, well, my sin's just as bad as everyone else's sin. I've not met a human being that's ever, I've met all, I've met many people who say they're all the same, but I've never met one person who believes it. I mean, everybody (laughs) I've ever talked to like, you mentioned, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, sin is terrible. Like, murder is terrible. Sin is sin. And then you're like, you get on the whole, you know, what do you think about feeding the poor? Oh, that needs to be done. If you're not doing it, that's terrible. But then you're like, what about homosexuality? Oh, my gosh, that's the worst thing ever. Don't like, talk to me about them. They're guys. all equal, bud. They're all equal. According to you, <laughs> they are. But apparently they're not because no. you're focusing on one thing yeah. that really doesn't affect you. But, and they are <laughs> and they aren't. And that's why you kind of, yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the Methodist thing again. I know. But oh, like, gosh. Get off the fence. Classic Kevin. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to get on this fence and tell you everything about the middle. In the sense that they all have Don't the same consequence. <laughs> you know, like, you are. Like, you're, you're not supposed to tolerate any of it. And so you treat all of it in your own life the same. All of it is unacceptable. But are we all serious? But, but you're, I, I'm sorry, you're dumb if you're going to tell me that raping someone is the same as oh, no, telling not. a small lie. Right, and I don't think anyone... It's probably the same. <laughs> Which is why, you know, like, it, it may be the same in the way that we oppose all of them, but it's not the same in the way that they all have the same impact on others. 
Mark, are you asking so, about that one question though? Like where it says in scripture, the unforgivable sin, unpardonable sin. No, I was I was just curious because like I I've just been told a lot, and I mean that I, I kind of popped up in my head, but I was just curious because I've been told like you know like I understand like one sin's obviously worse than the other, but then we're also we're also told that we're all sinners. Like like I kind of I kind of believe that. I mean, obviously, maybe there's some circumstances, but I kind of believe that I can go to church for five years. I'll be no different than someone coming into church for the first time. Hmm. That's like I don't I don't think I'm better than that person. I'm just as equal as that person coming to church for the first time. Hopefully, hopefully, you follow God better, and you are like hopefully you've grown at some point. Oh, right. But But, I mean, and that's what we're talking about. Like, there's a difference between value. And your ability to have self-control. Like, you want to continually become more righteous, more holy. You want to have better self-control. And hopefully by going to church, you do practice those things and you get better at those things. That is the goal, that you would change and that you would become better. What a novel idea. I know, right? You'll, you'll get you'll get closer. The, the more time you spend with God, the more you will be growing in your spiritual life and in, in, in other ways of life. The more you go to church, as we have seen in that guy's thing, is not the case. Right. I shake my head. I want to go, I want to sort of back to Mark's question because this is the question I, one of the main questions I had. And I think, um, is there a sin that is essentially unpardonable? And I think for a while it was taught, I don't know if this is still taught, that suicide was an unpardonable sin. In the Catholic Church. In the Catholic Church, yes. Is it still taught? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. They call them mortal sins. Mortal sins, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in it your guys' in think, your you know. guys, yeah, I think it's yeah. But in your guys' opinion, is there a sin that is essentially unpardonable? That like it's unforgivable if you're God, which is weird, weird to say that God can not do something. But okay. So it's interesting in like the topic of uh, of suicide to suicide forgivable because you know like sometimes I don't know if you guys have, but you know some of your friends if if they commit suicide or something happens like. It's almost one of those things that it's hard to accept if it's not forgivable or that you you just hope and pray it's forgivable so you, you, you can see them again. Yeah. But that's the major question. I mean, for me, and I'm not a pastor, I'm not a Catholic priest, I'm not anything, so my authority is garbage. But, uh, <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, for me to sit there and say, yeah, this is unforgivable, this is forgivable, I'd have to be God to say that. Right, so and I God can't do that. God right. is the ultimate. If if you created the universe, I guess you have a choice whether or not what goes in and out. I suppose. Uh, yeah, and that goes back to what I'm saying. It, it's funny to say what it's funny for us to say. There's that there's something that God cannot do. Because like, does that make him not God? And then if we say like, oh, you can't do this, God, and who are we to say God cannot do? It? I mean, I know in the Bible, I think it says that like blaspheming the Holy Spirit is unpardonable. But I think when you look at that closer, I, 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 I understand, I, I feel like that maybe this means that... Making God your scapegoat? Yeah, or you're just, essentially you're just not, you're just completely rejecting. You're completely done with God and you're just, to the point where you're just like, I don't want anything to do with your God. And that point's like, you don't want to be forgiven because you don't want anything to do with God. It, it made me think sometimes of making God your scapegoat just because it's like, well, I will do something that's not right. But I'm going to say God told me to do it. Or okay. I'm going to, you know, I know forgiveness is possible. And I know that I'll sweep things under the rug. But, you know, eventually I could say it was okay. I don't know. It's, I think it's using God to my advantage. 
Okay. I'm not saying that's what that line means. I'm just saying I think about that when it comes to God scapegoat. Oh, this is how it went down. I guess that's how it was supposed to happen. No, you're putting God and you're making him be the fall guy for your actions. I feel like God is the ultimate. In my head, I feel like God is the ultimate judge. So technically speaking, I truly believe that we will never know what is forgiven and what's not forgivable. And also, at that point, I will also say that I feel like in order for God to forgive someone for some such horrible thing like uh, not not Randy Savage not Randy Savage man don't remember not Macho don't Man yeah anyways um, I feel like at some point to you have to in your heart truly show that you you want forgiveness like to God like you have to physically go to God I don't know how that how that will look like mm. obviously but you have to go to God almost like probably every single day Ask for forgiveness. Ask what to do. Ask how I can be forgiven. Ask how I can I can make things right. If that's if God tells you it's going to take your whole life, then I'm sorry to tell you it's going to take your whole life. But yeah. if it takes your whole life, it takes your whole life. It takes a week. It takes a week. If I lie to someone to feel terrible about it, I'm like God. What do I do? Oh, okay. I'm gonna go tell that person I lied to them. So it's it's something. It could be something as simple as Oops, I did not mean to tell you that because I forgot, or something as as big as murder, but I truly believe that. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> the knife slipped out of my hand and went straight to the guy. Yeah, it I, fell. I, I didn't I even know. It up here and it just fell onto his chest. Not the, my fault. The point is, is I truly believe that I don't necessarily think that I, in my head, even before I started going to church, even before I considered myself an actual Christian, um, I, I truly believe that there is a point where in this world maybe we will feel like that there is something unforgivable hmm. to us. To us, maybe there's some things like okay. to me, it's very hard for me to forgive somebody for such things right. as that one guy or like someone murdered someone in my family. I don't know how I'm going to forgive that person. <laughs> so how, how God does it, I feel like that's on him. And unfortunately, that's one of those things that we will, I truly believe that we'll never truly know if something's unforgivable. Then, yeah. then you'd be God. Then I would be God. But you brought up some good points, but like, you know, how, how, how does it go about? And I mean, I, I think if we were to take anatomy and, and that dissect it, we would be saying, oh, it takes responsibility. I have to be responsible for my actions. I need to be open to the possibility that I am wrong. Right. And that's very hard for some people. It is. I, in fact, I think that's why I don't think there's any openness right now. I think we're really closed as far as a country. Um, so once you're open, you can start being a little bit more accepting that I could be wrong, which that would stave off all bitterness in most people who have against any either groups of people or towards certain people. And then you have to learn to forgive yourself because most people don't. Yeah. Most people... I can, it's easy for me to forgive Josh if Josh wrongs me. It's not easy to forgive myself if I hold myself to a high standard. Yeah. And basically, I'm holding myself at God level and say, you ought to be better. And that's pride, but it's also shame and guilt. So it's also that you have to learn to forgive yourself, and you do that with God's help, and you ask God for forgiveness there. Then forgiving others, I think, becomes a little bit easier. But it's easy. It is true that it's easier to forgive others than it is to forgive yourself. Because forgiving others, I'm not in Josh's mind. I, you know, what I mean, I don't have to. I'm not the forgive me. I'm the forgiver. Forgiver. Whereas when I'm forgiving myself, I'm both. Right. 
and I know my motivations. I don't you know can you can't you can't see into a person's yeah um, if they're sincere or not. Essentially, you just have to take them for the word they say they're pretty doing. It's what? like uh, you have to take. It sounds like kind of that Eric saying you have to. <clears throat> You have to forgive yourself before you forgive others. Like you kind of have to take care of yourself before you you take care of others. Like if you if you don't save any room for yourself, like talking to God or whatever, if you don't save any room for yourself, how are you gonna how are you gonna be able to help others and forgive them? Okay, I would I would say as far as like maybe forgiveness and love are close, but I know for a fact you cannot love others if you do not learn how to love God. You will not truly love. You will it will be some other form of love. But not true. In its purest form. Yeah, all right. Is that it? I don't. I feel like we didn't really. I think that was a really good good ending. That was a good ending. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Do you have anything to say, Kevin? You, never. You've been staying quiet. Yeah. No, it's good. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. So hopefully, I don't. Hopefully, we helped you. I don't. I don't know. I if, love if this not, they can have more questions, and we will <laughs> respond. That's right. Or maybe you could. You'll just follow us on that. You'll just have to forgive us. If we didn't answer the question. Oh. And now we just lost all of our... <laughs> Josh forcing the callback. Uh, okay, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, as always, uh, thanks to Kevin McLeod for our show music, although hopefully we're going to try to get something more Bob Wilson. Talk Bob more in. Hashtag Bob Wilson. Maybe he'll listen in and make us something great. That'd be awesome. Uh, keep liking us on Facebook, the page, uh, other than the three people who've liked it. Thank so, you guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, subscribe I'm glad sh- you found it. Subscribe to the show if you haven't. We're on iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud. I don't know other weird podcast places. Uh, if you got a question, you know we'd like to we'd like to hear it. We'd like to answer it. Hopefully, uh, send them to one like equals one pair at gmail.com. That's uh, one O N E, not the number one. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I've been still am your host, Josh Krauss. I'm Eric Latassi. Mark, that was awkward. <laughs> and I'm Kevin. And as always, please share. One like equals one prayer. <laughs>